Hello, thank you for downloading this podcast of the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. We hope you enjoy listening to this. For more information about our programs, please visit www.nyuad.nyu.edu slash institute. Great. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for coming this evening. Uh, I do have some remarks that I've written down, so excuse me for a moment if I'm going like this. I'm Bob Vorlicky, uh, visiting professor of theater here at NYU Abu Dhabi. And along with our co-host, uh, Professor Marsha Ginsburg, we're extremely pleased to see you here for a very special evening, speaking English, staging the dialectics of identity, culture, and survival. In February 2022, a mere 10 months ago, the play English opened in New York City to rave reviews. Tonight's program brings together the creative team of this production. And I'd like to introduce you to, and maybe if we can uh, pull up Sanaa's, uh, her picture, can we do that? There's, are you there, Sanaz? <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, anyway, this is playwright Sanaz Tusi, the author of English, who's joining us from LA. So it's 6.30 in the morning, and yeah, I know, I know. Looking great, as always. So, you know, round of applause momentarily after the rest of the, oh, let's go for that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, also, we have in person with us this evening our special uh, guest for not only tonight, but uh, throughout the week, our guest artist, Knut uh, Adams, the director of English, and also our equally special in-person guest and co-host for the evening, NYU Abu Dhabi professor Marsha Ginsburg, who is the scenic designer of English. Great, thank you. Now, um, if you would, you each, I believe, when you came in, were given a program uh, for updated information on the illustrious careers of our three guests. So please make sure that you do uh, check that out at some point. Also, I wanted you to uh, to note for you that members of the creative team, as well as uh, the actors and other designers, um, are. Uh, accessible to you through their Instagram accounts. So to be able to follow their careers, their comments about the play English, particularly at the time in which it opened in New York, there are threads in there that are fascinating to follow in terms of audience reactions, uh, including those from Iranians and Iranian-American audience members. And also on the Instagram accounts, uh, current information to be able to keep up with uh, what's happening in the streets of Iran. Uh, we want to extend our deep gratitude to the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute, especially to Nahid Ahmad and her team, without whom this event would not be possible. Also, our appreciation to the co-sponsorship with our terrific theater program, which is in the Division of Arts and Humanities. And likewise, there are many individuals who contributed to tonight's program. Likewise, 
we want to acknowledge you, you know who you are, and we're grateful for your help, and we genuinely thank you. Now, as theater people, we like to let each, other's, each other know a bit about our shared time with our audiences. You know, act breakdowns, intermission, how long's the performance, so on and so on. So just to let you know, we're going to show some clips from the New York production of English, along with, at different times, other visual components related to the play throughout our time together tonight. Sanaz, Knut, and Marsha will share aspects of English's journey from text to performance and, ah, uh, yes, throughout any number of topics engaged within the world of the play, these will also be present, whether through our conversation up here or their conversation, rather, let alone through our Q&A. And these topics will include, of course, identity, culture, English language acquisition, and survival. About 7.30, so a little bit under an hour from now, I'll start our Q&A with all of us, and we'll take that up to about 8 o'clock. Uh, and afterwards, please know that there's a shared community reception outside afterwards with really good food, and I hope we all do, ongoing conversation. So to this end, uh, thank you again for coming tonight, and I'd like to ask Knut to set the stage, as it were, to open this evening's program. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mark. Uh, test, test, uh, can you all hear me? Yeah, great. Hi. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, as, uh, as was mentioned, we're able to show just a, a couple short excerpts uh, from our production earlier this year. So, uh, by way of welcome, we're going to begin by sharing just the first four minutes of uh, the world premiere of English. So, if we could start with uh, clip one, and then we'll chat afterwards. Thank you. Uh, so that uh, that's an exit from uh, the world premiere of uh, the play, which took place at the Atlantic Theater in New York City uh, earlier this year. Uh, and uh, just to talk through over the course of uh, our presentation, like how we arrived at the production, I want to start back at the beginning uh, with the the play itself, the text. Um, and handing it over to Sanaz to talk a little bit about the inception of the play and its, and its journey leading up to pre-production. Sure, so I wrote this play um, after the travel ban was enacted in 2017. And this play is about, just to take a step back, um, for Iranians who are learning English in a TOEFL classroom in Karaj, Iran, which is like a big city outside of Tehran. Um, and I'm sure many of you know what the TOEFL is. It's a test of English as a second language. Um, and it's about foreign language acquisition and what it means to leave your mother tongue behind and also to leave your culture behind. and. Um, how language and identity are intertwined and how we can lose ourselves um, in the process of immigration and the process of losing a, uh, our, of acquiring a language and losing another one. And I wrote this, um, as I was saying, after the um, Muslim ban was enacted in 2017 under the Trump administration. And I just felt 
I really can only say like rage. Um, you know, I'm a daughter of two Iranian immigrants. I'm very proud to be Iranian and just the rhetoric and the hatred towards um, immigrants just felt like it just broke my heart and it felt, I, all I could feel was anger that um, anyone would disrespect my parents who worked so, so hard um, in this country to make a life here for all the things they had to leave behind. So this play is actually like a very angry one. It started as a very angry one. And I think there is still maybe some rage in the play and we can talk about that. I'm sure I'd be interested to hear what you think. But um, I wrote it as my graduate school thesis, which means I had to write it very quickly. Um, and I think that's good writers. If you're just try to write as quickly as you can. I say that now I like, it takes me like years to finish a play now. So I don't even, I won't, can't even follow my own advice there, but um, yeah, the play I think has always about, has always been about pain and misunderstanding. Um, yeah, I think, should I say anything more about the play, Knut? What do you think? Uh, no, that's really beautiful. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, clear and and i and and i think there'll be opportunities just throughout to sort of as, as as things come to you to add that's great um yeah so it, it's it's as Sana says it, it's a play that takes place in a classroom uh, a single location and just to sort of walk us through the the steps towards production uh i was so honored to be asked by Sanaz to direct this play originally uh, programmed in a different theater in a very different space. This was before COVID. It was going to be at the, run, the Roundabout Underground, which is a basement theater much smaller than the main stage of the Atlantic, where we ended up doing it uh, underground. And that production got delayed by COVID, of course. And then as theater uh, restarted, we had the opportunity because that theater just wasn't going to be ready. Uh, it needed an entire new HVAC system to be um, sort of COVID safety compliant. We had the opportunity to like move the production and it ended up in, in, in a larger space and it, with a different company. And uh, I've been talking to Sanaz and Marsha through all of quarantine about you know the the fate of our production and and also what this transfer would mean to the to the material realities of the production itself um, and I and I wanted to talk uh, share with you a little bit about what that meant to to my work on the show in part because I view directing as sort of uh, directing plays as, as each time it, it feels like sort of a, an, a response to a crisis between the intentions of a play, the intentions of a text, and the realities of the production itself, including resources, the time you have to make a show, and the limitations, the parameters of the, the environment itself, the space itself. So it was such an interesting project to totally reconceive of the production as those um, parameters changed for us. 
Um, and just by, by way of easing into talking about that process and, and talking about uh, our, the, the, the scenic collaboration, which, which sort of opened the door to everything else, uh, I wanted to share with you a couple images that were really inspiring to me early on. Uh, and, and these are stills. And, and uh, as, as, I, as I introduce these, maybe we can um, transition into, ah, already there. You beat me to it. Uh, Great. So, so I'm just going to share with you a couple still images I captured from uh, a, a selection of the many, many Iranian films that I watched in preparation for this production. Uh, and you know, for me, my my research, my preparation, my preparation process is different for every show, and for and for this one in particular because we had, uh, I felt such a responsibility to. Honoring the 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 beauty of the play as as Sanaz wrote it and and capturing authentically uh, a time and place uh, 2008 in Courage that would feel specific to um, to audience members that were familiar with that world and that, that they could feel like an environment that they recognized was represented authentically on stage. So there was a, a lot of uh, research we, we can share and and reading about the politics of the time and the uh, socio-political given circumstances of the characters to better understand their conflicts and motivations. Uh, but additionally, I started watching a, a, some of the, these really beautiful ensemble uh, Iranian films that taught me so much about the visual language of what the production could be. Uh, so as I, as I walk you through these, I just want to point out generally uh, something that the films had in common. Uh, you know, hyper-realistic acting, a really interesting compositional device where figures were always placed within their environmental context. And that became very inter interesting to me in solving this problem I had, which was how to as we move the production from a small space to a larger space, how to protect what was important to me about that small space, which was that the room itself, the environment of the play, would be life-size, that we wouldn't have to scale up the event or make it bigger or broader than truth. Uh, and yet, the stage itself was so much larger than that classroom would be in real life that my way into how to realize that on stage was the turning stage, which you saw in the, in the clip. The idea that the entire room would rotate um, and, and provide different vantage points into that environment. Uh, and that idea came from these films because, uh, and I'll just, I'll just cycle through as I talk through that idea, but this is um, from a film called Close Up. Uh, and I just became interested in photography and film's ability to use both foreground and background, which is something that in the theater is not always realized. Sometimes scenic design becomes sort of background decoration, and all the action of the play is in front of the set design. But the way that a film camera can move through a space and move the audience through a space became interesting to me. And the way that these filmmakers would sort of use the camera as a fly on the wall or even outside of the wall 
to peek in on private lives or private moments taught me about the, our theater audience's relationship to the, to the play itself, that it would be not just displayed for our entertainment, but that the audience, our theater audience would feel privy to something that's happening in three dimensions inside of a, a room that we're just peeking in on. Um, this is again from Close Up. Uh, and I became interested in this, this foreground background, the obscuring, the, the temporary obscuring of action, watching figures move behind curtains or window frames. So just that, that, that sense of privacy and, and private lives. And also the quality of light, which is so specific to um, Iran that I really wanted to um, be protective of in our production. Uh, this is from a film called uh, Three Faces. Again, I was looking at sort of the framing of figures inside of like columns and uh, foreground, background, middle ground, um, and the quality of light. This is from a film called About Ellie, and this became a really important image to me, just in the sense of the, the ensemble and the life and the festivity, but that the audience is one step removed from the party, that we're peeking in on it. Uh, this, these are from uh, a film called The Salesman, um, which features a classroom, so that was particularly helpful. Yeah, and, 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 and so we started con to conceive, and, 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 and I'll pass this over to Marsha to hand off to her, started to conceive of this classroom as not a backdrop for the play to take place, but a, a completed architecture so that the staging could almost be in the round, you know, what we call sort of three-dimensional that the blocking, the, the way actors move inside of that space could be intuitive. They could use a classroom like an actual classroom would be used, that we wouldn't cheat it out or open it up to the audience, but rather use the room according to its own logic and geometry. And when I needed the audience to see things differently or to get a different perspective in the room, we'd shift the entire room itself. Uh, and so, once I started to conceive of the production in three dimensions in that way, it opened up what was possible for blocking, what was possible for light, the honesty and authenticity of the movement inside of that space. Um, and imagining the audience like a film camera, that it could rotate and follow the action in a way that was organic and curious. So that was, that, was, that was the challenge. That was the, the challenge I set before the production team at the Atlantic Theater and Marsha of how to achieve that um, in three dimensions and make it work. Uh, and I had no idea if it was possible. And so that, that was the starting off point for us about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, uh, yeah, can I? Shall I hand over the cooker yeah, sure, to you? Sure. And also <laughs> the proverbial talking great, stick. Great. Um, maybe I'll just click through. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I felt really tasked with was Sanaa's telling, like I, I think one of the first things I heard from Canute via Sanaa's was that it had to be beautiful. And that was kind of like, actually, I mean, there's a way, typically, I guess, 
in American theater that um, plays from the Middle East are usually depicted, and, and, I, and actually Sanaz can speak about this, and I think is actually the title of your New York Times article about trauma plays, like the kind of anti-trauma plays. And so it's always like this kind of crisis of people, and so it's usually like these sets are like these worn, torn um, exteriors or interiors, and we just really didn't want to do that at all. And it was not the world of the characters and also how we wanted to present this moment in uh, history in, in um, Iran. So we just kind of really did like deep dive into so much research that we were looking at and this construct of you know, a turning stage. I mean, one of the things that I became really interested in was this, the Atlantic Theater. I have a photograph later on. It's a weird space because it's actually a conversion of a church. So you actually have these, you know, kind of gothic windows in the space, and it has all this brick walls, these brick walls, and I hate brick walls, and I also just hated the visual distraction of it. So one of the things that I was, one of my first gestures when we had a site visit is the ceiling was this kind of dark gray tongue and groove paneling. And so I, I had the tongue and groove paneling reproduced. So I made a tongue and groove you know, paneled room that was surfaced on all of the brick walls. So to kind of create this void for this, um, moving set. And it's also interesting when you're constructing a set on four sides um, that I just kind of felt like each side had to be different. And there had to be a kind of movement that could happen as the set turned and the characters couldn't enter into different spaces. And so we kind of invented this balcony space that became really kind of pivotal to the storytelling. Um, and the other thing was that we actually began, as you saw in the video clip, we began the set from the exterior of the space with the audience looking in, which also kind of echoes some of these um, images. And with this giant sign that was in Farsi that was really, became really important for a lot of the audience members to kind of walk into a theater and see their language you know, on a wall, which they hadn't seen before. And just as a, like, a funny little thing to say, I had the signs made in Abu Dhabi. So it was like kind of hysterical, like interfacing with this constructor here, and then being in New York and like begging for the shipping <laughs> to arrive in time. Um, to be on the set, but I'll just kind of go through some images to um, We should also say that the other members of the creative team we had a really amazing group of collaborators um, Iranian designer um, lighting designer Reza Bijat and um, Who lit this beautiful space? It turns out it's hard to light a box that turns and... yeah he did a beautiful job. Yeah. With the ceiling. Right, exactly. 
And I, I'm really fascinated by the transitions. And um, just as I was photographing the set, I just kept making all these shots of the transitions and like had like my camera set up and really slow shutter speed. So you see these really beautiful um, blurry moments of kind of overlapping fragments. Um, and should we go into the other clip? Uh, yeah, so we're going to show now uh, clip number okay. two, just so you can see an example of those, those transitions in motion. Yeah, so it's interesting to talk about the sort of organic fruit of collaboration, <laughs> the, the fruits of collaboration, so that, as Marcia said, as we realized that we could take advantage of every side of this cube, that uh, came from that, manifested from that, was this, this balcony space, which then we wanted to use because it existed. So action from the play could spill out into this sort of smoking, semi, you know, outdoor canopied area, which gave a very different emotional context to some of the scenes that became more private um, or more casual somehow. Um, which, you know, one doesn't need to do this play at all. It wasn't written for those, those bonus spaces. And in another scene we played with the window facing towards the audience and the audience was looking at the action through the window. But they just became these like added vantage points that gave uh, a different context, a different framing to certain scenes and, and helped me create, uh, apologies, uh, create visual dynamic um, there was just a bonus, uh, uh, an added uh, beauty and, and perspective on the play. And I think over the course of the play, the audience's understanding of the character shifts, the, our, the power dynamics in the room evolve, our understanding of them and their private lives, their lives outside of the classrooms evolves, their understanding of each other shifts, their relationship to the language of English and both English and Farsi shifts. So being able to change literally the vantage point on the action of the play as those internal shifts evolved uh, just was, was another storytelling tool. Um, and yeah, as you saw very briefly in that transition, you would have these accidental but beautiful moments of cohabitation where both the balcony and the inside of the classroom were activated at the same time and you got these split focus um, in these uh, ephemeral moments of, of time passing. That was, that was uh, beautiful to discover in tech. And then you have these moments that you could only sort of discover in three dimensions when the light and the music and the blocking all came together. Um, Can I chime in? Please. Please. Yes. OK, sorry, I'm on a delay. So I feel like I'm going to interrupt every time I chime in. But um, yeah, I just, you know, I think one of the coolest things about collaboration is like, we're gonna you know this play is gonna this play is having a regional life but after our pr world premiere you know like there's something about working with collaborators who think just bigger than you and now i can't really imagine doing the play any other way um which is crazy because it will be done in many ways and they'll be wonderful and creative but um you know like that hallway became not the hallway, just the balcony. Um, you know, I, I feel 
I, I may have actually written it into the script now because it feels like, um, you know, it, they, it changed some of the scenes so much. I think what I, what I loved about this production, what I loved about this premiere was, um, the play feels so romantic, you know, like with our lighting and our curtains, you know, we had these like beautiful yellow curtains, um, that were almost blue and the blue were also very beautiful, but I think we went with the yellow cause like the way the light was coming through them felt like we were capturing like daylight and the sunset. And, um, we were really honoring that the play is in many ways, um, like a love story between, um, about, about language and all these design elements, you know, like I always insisted the play has to be beautiful. We've just seen so many plays set in the Middle East with like, you know, like cracked walls and, you know, like it, that they're all like in dingy basements, um, which is ironic because we almost did this play kind of <laughs> in a dingy basement. Um, but, you know, this play wants to be beautiful and it wants to be funny. And we wanted to honor, you know, not just the pain of the play, but like all those moments of comedy and all those take every chance we could to make it beautiful. And um, I think that's what I find so moving about all these, uh, about, you know, all this design and Marsha's beautiful, Marsha and Knut's beautiful collaboration. Um, so yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Um, yes, uh, we have about uh, 15, 20 minutes. Would you like to step us through some of that research? Or yeah, I'll just, I'll just quickly show, why don't I just quickly show like some of, I'll just show this stuff very quickly. I mean, this is just to contextualize it. This is what the Atlantic Theater looks like before we kind of stepped in to it. Um, and it's like weird to have these gothic windows um, in this type of production. So um, getting rid of them was really super important. Um, then these are just kind of like, I mean, I work in a three-dimensional model, but because this play, I'm designing it from four sides. We also in the studio created like this, um, this kind of fly through digital um, image that we could, I could kind of keep looking at it from different perspectives and imagining the set in the simulation spinning. So this is just kind of one rendition of that. Um, I'm just kind of comparing it with some of the photographs. Um, this is um, the original design for the back of it that got shifted. Um, and this is what the balcony became. This is um, looking from the outside in. So this is the scene that Knut is referring to that is played, a whole scene is played this way. Um, and then these were some research images of signs um, in Iran for language schools that we ended up referencing. This is just some like some of my work interfacing with the sign constructor um, to make this happen. 
then I, I had these chairs made because they're so specific. So it was really kind of looking at so many different types of schoolroom chairs in Iran. Um, and then this is some of my research images, my favorite ones. And then these are just some of the drawings that, drawing that I did to have them constructed. And another close up. And I, I also had the curtains made in Abu Dhabi. And <laughs> it was really funny because I had all these, I had like five different colors made actually because I knew it was going to be the thing that like just brought the set together. So we just kind of, and we hung, it was kind of great because we hung them in the rehearsal space. And so we were able to kind of really get a sense of the vibe of what, how things shift with a different light passing through different colors. That's, oh, these are some more funny things that we were just looking at and picking up on this kind of relationship of a whiteboard and an um, old fashioned TV from two, mid 200s, 2000s. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, it makes me think about just how bothersome specificity is you know when you when you make a choice to be when you set the value of a production to be accurate and specific a small army of very helpful people are annoyed at you <laughs> but but it's worth it because uh, you know the, just i think that the magic is in the details so so trying to represent a country from which there's a shipping embargo, but creates challenges. We couldn't have anything, you know, sent from Iran. So, having the the chairs handmade each to to look uh, to look exactly right, like they were from Iran, not American school chairs. The fact that we had five different colored curtains made here that we could like switch out through tech and get the exact right <laughs> color. We, I think we, you, you found the, the lamp, the pendant lamp that's in the set, you found that from Germany, yeah. and we had that shipped over. Yeah. The, the walls came, and when, they were first, when they first arrived at the set, they were all like full of like seams, and they're very ugly, but Marsha knew like the best plasters in New York City, <laughs> who spent like three or four nights overnight at the theater replastering <laughs> the entire set to get that smooth finish. Um, yeah, just the, the, the labor, the craftsmanship, the, the research that goes into trying to create something that feels complete and intentional. Um, and you don't always get the resources or the support to produce at that level. So I'll be forever grateful for The Atlantic and The Roundabout who co-produced the show and supporting us in those efforts and understanding that our ambition was um, about meeting the opportunity of the play as fully as we could um, because it's so rich uh, and, and accurate and specific. Um, yeah, is, is there anything? Uh, Maybe we should show, should we show the last clip and have Sanaz talk about, um, yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna uh, wrap up this portion of the things by sharing, this is um, one of the final transitions in the play. And, and so in a minute, we're gonna show clip three. And I wanted to say just before we show this, that the, the song you hear in, through this transition is from the film A Room With A View, which 
is referenced in the production itself because Marjan, the teacher, made a special connection with one of her students, Omid, in her office hours, and they would watch English language films together, and they sort of found a special connection uh, over watching this Merchant Ivory film called A Room with a View. So later in the production, that film was referenced through the specific song you'll hear in this transition. And also, in this transition, one of the characters, Elham, draws on the whiteboard. And here's sort of a, an Easter egg that came from our research. This play takes place just at the outset of the green movement in Iran, where um, the green headscarf became emblematic of a protest movement against uh, a, an unfair and manipulated election that was just surfacing. So. Just another way that the, the, the socio-political context of the play and the time and place where Sanaz said it peaked to the surface. Um, great, so we can roll uh, clip number three. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I feel a little self-conscious about, it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm just here to brag about our work, <laughs> but I wanna, I wanna say that it's, it's quite, I'm, I'm a director of new plays and it's, it's quite, special to me and unique to be asked to, to premiere a play that is as strong and, and lauded as this one is. And it's, all, it's equally rare for all the elements of a collaborative production team and the cast to, for the alchemy of that to work as successfully as this one just worked out. Uh, and, and I'm very proud of the show. And um, I think in part, one of the reasons why our collaboration was so productive is, is that Marsh and I have this ongoing uh, relationship where we've, we've have a body of work together now. And we're sort of each time we get to make a show looking to challenge ourselves in new ways. And, and I really value that, um, the additive history of collaboration uh, repeated. Um, and yeah, this was my first production back after two years of not working from the theater industry being hobbled by COVID. And I think we were all throughout the process extra sensitive to how luck we are to get to put something in front of an audience. And, and it was, yeah, so moving to me to have this story and this production, the work just received as it was received. And, and that's a testament to the, what Sanaz wrote and the fact that it was, in, you know, incredibly of its, the, the, about these five lives in a very specific time and place. And yet their yearnings to belong and to, make sense of the world and to make sense of themselves through language and to feel a sense of opportunity but also loss as they considered leaving their home country I think is something that so many people in the audience connected with um, and is one of the reasons why that play is having a, a tremendous future and is being done across the country uh, in the states at least and, and hopefully around the world. Um, I'm about to do a new production of the play in Washington, D.C. <laughs> in an entirely different company and cast, so I have to figure it out all again. No rotating set. Um, so I'm, in some ways, I'm back to square one. Um, and lastly, before we, before we um, 
before I turn it over to you guys for your last words, I just want to extend a, a special thanks to uh, NYU Abu Dhabi for hosting me and uh, for getting to share some of our work with you. It's been so delightful to be here. Um, yes, I think we're... Thanks, You've been listening to a download from the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. You'll find more information on our website, www.nyuad.nyu.edu institute.